guys. Welcome back to Couples with us and I'm. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, mighty. Happy anniversary. Oh, yes. Happy anniversary. It's our, it's our anniversary. It's our 17 oh, yeah. year wedding anniversary. Is that right? Yeah. That sounds right. It does sound right. 17 years ago. We got married in Vegas. We did. Vegas, baby. Vegas. And I'm going to impart some advice to, to people. Who? To, to unmar- me? To unmarried folks. I was like, fuck you. Shove your yeah, advice up your butt. My butthole. first advice is don't offer advice to, to your, your wife. significant other. <laughs> don't ever offer advice to your spouse. Uh, my my second piece of advice is get married for the right reasons. We got married for insurance, for insurance reasons. Yes. And uh, other financial, you know, taxes, things like that. That's yeah. a good reason to get married. Only, However, only get married if there is a legal or some kind of benefit like that. Right. Don't get married because you want a wedding or someone else tells you you should. You're pregnant, your religion, pregnant. whatever pressure yeah. from so-and-so. Or a person told you you should, like a right. family or member. jealousy because somebody else is getting married. Or, yeah, because, like, so society said. Yeah, so or we Or you got, feel like you should by 25 or whatever stupid fucking. I don't think it's like that now. I think millennials are supposed to be married by, like, 43 or something, probably. Well, millennials are almost done. Like, Gen Z's, like, the becoming so. adults. Yeah. Yeah. So one of those are over. I think the reason we're to like we're we're together, we're in this relationship, not because we're married. We're, yeah, we're it's together a because we belong together. We feel that we belong together. We like being with each other. That's that's the reason to be with somebody. So I think you should probably have that first. You know, make sure and then if you need to get married on top of that, you know, again for insurance reasons, money reasons, whatever, you know, it benefits yeah, um, Logan attended our wedding. Yeah, Logan he was, was six, six months, months old. old. So because we didn't, you didn't want to get married just because you were pregnant, or right? Married. And I didn't want that to be the reason. Logan, we got married or either. not Logan? Logan was not alive yet. Um, Sean proposed when I was pregnant, and I said yes. Let's get married after Logan's born, and then after Logan was born. I was going to be falling off my parents' insurance. Right. So I needed insurance because I stayed home. And we went to Vegas and got married. Right. And then I got pregnant again. And then Mason was born three days before our wedding anniversary. Right. So. Yeah, that's my advice. Don't like like Maggie and I would be together even if we weren't married. Yeah. You know, it's not like a piece of paper doesn't mean anything. Right. It's really easy to get divorced. That's, it's for bureaucratic reasons that we're married. But, like, plenty of people have... I mean, I always think of, like, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. They've never gotten married. They've been together yeah. for a billion years. Bajillion years. Like, that's... Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my anniversary-related advice. Yeah. Also, c- you probably should never take advice from me. I never know what's going on, and I have very few good ideas. So that's my other piece of advice. I don't know. We're pretty good at this part, though. This is one area we're pretty good at. Yeah, we're good at staying together. And yeah. we're like, we're, we have, uh, you may have noticed, listener, if you're a longtime listener or just somebody we know, we kind of have strong personalities, which you would think would be bad since we both kind of, we, we're both really fucking opinionated and vocal about those opinions. Yeah. But it's weird. Well, because a lot of our opinions are very similar. So that but when helps. they differ, they really, like, we are really loud about how differing they are. Give an example. Can you think of anything? Yes, your music that you put on this morning. Oh, you want to talk about that? Let's talk. I love talking about music. You do love talking about music. <laughs> I love music. Uh, so, okay. So it's our anniversary. And this morning, Sean's like, hey, I'm in the mood for pizza. I'm taking it back a little bit further. So Sean's like, hey, breakfast pizza. I'm in the mood for breakfast pizza. And he's never in the mood for breakfast pizza. And I'm like, don't tease me. There's a reason for that. And he's like. He's like, no, I'm in the mood for breakfast pizza. And I'm like, this is amazing. So we have this really good place out by us that does a breakfast pizza. And the crust is like an everything bagel. They put everything seasoning like underneath it. And then it's a cream cheese garlic as the sauce and then eggs. And the one that we got was eggs and bacon. I'm not a huge bacon fan. 
but I wanted eggs and potato, but Sean wanted eggs and bacon, so that's what we got. <clears throat> anyway, fast forward. So the yeah, only service music. They only serve it until noon. So at like eleven thirty, we're doing this research. Working on our podcast last minute. Isley, last minute. Isley style. <laughs> we're doing this research and Sean turns on this god awful music. Right before he decides to order the pizza that I throw a fit about because I realized he has not ordered it. And I'm like, oh, see, you teased me. She thought they the cutoff was 11 and it was 1130. And I had forgotten what I had said in bed three hours prior. So she reminded me. I was like, oh, crap. I you should have reminded me. I didn't realize. But then I, so I went on the website and it turns out that it's called brunch pizza, brunch pies. So they serve it till noon. So, so I was able to get this pizza. And it turns out I don't actually like breakfast pizza. It's fucking I had fint. like three bites and I was like, you know what? This is way too salty. It's fin- It's because he got the bacon on it. You don't get the bacon on it. I think it. that's the only reason. You get the potatoes because they do a, a sea salt flavor. I remember not really caring for it the first time. Yes, because you have such bad taste. But anyway. You're, you so love salt. In addition to his salty. bad food taste, he had turned on this music. And we're doing research, okay? Like... Literally, I have six tabs open and I'm throwing them into this dock, trying to make it into semi cohesive. And he has his iPad open and he has this music on. It's like, that's what his music sounds like. <laughs> and I'm like, this is good music. And he's like, just so you know, because of your comment, I went and looked up. Wow, this is a terrible version of the story. All right. First of all. <laughs> Uh, the music I put on. She never ever likes the music I play. And then about a month later, I will catch her playing a lot of the music in her car. It'll be on her playlist and like metal bands, you know, bands. She's like, I don't like this. And then all of a sudden she has a whole death clock playlist. It's very strange. I've seen death clock in concert. Yeah. I've watched. But at first you didn't, you didn't like it. You only liked it because of the cartoon. Even other bands that you make fun of me for listening to, you'll they'll see. You never got into my car and heard me listening to Deaf Heaven. I've heard you listening to Tool. I got. I've never not liked Tool. Okay. I've seen them in concert. I listen to them on my own. (laughs) With me. I've listened to them for almost twenty years now. How dare you? Yeah, because of you. My point is, you you're you don't. Like but I've never things. made fun of Tool and said I didn't I like that, them. I don't know that that's true. But you make fun I, of everything I, do, I, I do play. I do know that that's true. And then... Because I swear to God, I so watched their videos on I don't on think VHS. you're at risk of liking this. So this, this band I like is called Car Bomb. Mm-hmm. And their new album just came out Friday. I didn't realize it came out already. They've had a few singles out that I've enjoyed. But I've been waiting for their new album for like a year. And, and his music goes... Blah, 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 blah. It's very similar to Mishuga. And maybe a, a just a just a splash of Dillinger Escape Plan, not not a lot. So, uh, so I put on their new album. It's amazing. It's really good. I'm digging it. And so she makes her sarcastic comment about, "Oh, this is good music," which immediately, and I think I've gone into this <laughs> may, maybe on our regular podcast, maybe on Patreon episodes, but you're not allowed to have opinions about music because you listen to pop radio stations, like you listen to actual radios. People who listen to the radio. So it's, it's I listen to the radio until I plug my iPad or my I never yeah, I don't but I don't like when I get in the car it's, iPad, it's on like this terrible phone. station that plays like the Jonas Brothers or something like 21 Pilots. And First all kinds of, of all, we talked like, about this this morning. It does not play the Jonas Brothers. I'm pretty sure it sounds like the Jonas. Every song that I hear when I get in the car is like, I'm pretty sure it's the Jonas Brothers. It does not play the Jonas <laughs> it's, Brothers. It's the Jonas Brothers. We talked about that this morning. <laughs> it's all Disney bands. That's all I know about this radio station. That's all they play. Pretty sure it's a Disney radio. That's, <laughs> a, that's not look a on thing. Your face. That's not a thing. That's what it all happen. sounds like. It's all awful. It all sounds really, really bad. Just so like I all your music sounds like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that's what your stuff sounds like to me. I, I like your impression. So I immediately turn it to static because static is way better than yeah. radio. Station. And now you've gotten Logan in that habit and he drives my car about 95 percent of the time. So it's always on and static. And it's always on static. And I appreciate because when I got in the car today, it was on static already. I that's like, because yes. Logan drove my car last. So anyway, so again, you're, people who just listen to the radio and I'm not saying like, you know, if you're working somewhere and you don't have options, yeah, you can listen to the radio. If there's no other option, then, yes, you listen to the radio. What are you going to do? But if you listen to the radio, that's equivalent to somebody whose like favorite food is McDonald's. Like you can't trust their judgment when it comes to food. Their favorite food is McDonald's. You're not going to let them decide what you're going to have at your wedding or whatever. Right. Because they don't know what good food is. If that's, yeah, that's their you. favorite. That's fucking you. 
So anyway, that's you, and you're not. I don't like Ohio no, Pie's no, no. brunch you li- pizza. See, the the reason McDonald's is you is because it's lowest common denominator pop music crap. I don't like McDonald's. <laughs> Saying, have, you, like McDonald's, you like McDonald's style music, though. You like Jonas Brothers really style music. I have really good taste in food. And <laughs> yeah, but this, this, you're missing the point of the analogy now. You're bringing it to food. We're talking about music. You brought it to food. Anyway, it was you. No, it was for comparison. Need to go sake. Back to the t- I'm not attacking your food taste. This, I'm attacking your musical taste. I really. That's why I'm Pay fat. Attention. Is because of my good food taste. <laughs> Uh, I like all food, by the way, so you should not let me be in charge of any food. You <laughs> just finished just telling us you food. did not like the brunch pie. I like okay. I like a lot of food. Like a lot. That's right. I eat Vienna sausage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like which you can't. Which but I'm at least aware, back. though. I'm aware. Like, you can't trust back. me. I don't have a palate. I don't, don't have, have a good a palate. palate. That's true. And you should be able to say the same for music. You should be like, I don't have a good palate for music. I listen to utter shit. Like, you should I'm be able to say that. I'm aware that the radio is garbage. Okay, that's all I'm saying. And that's fine. Like I said, I know but I have But I'm not listening to the Jonas Brothers, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's not that bad. Who do they... They play, like, 21 Pilots and they Imagine do. Dragons. That, and that's and really bad. And when that, like, yeah. when that shit comes on, I start either hitting buttons or trying to get my phone plugged in, or it's like, it's like panic mode when that shit comes on. Anyway, what are they playing that you enjoy, then? <laughs> I don't understand. I like Billie Eilish. Okay, but th- she's on Spotify. Just... Just bring her up on the Spotify. Like, why would she's you? She's in. She's in my Spotify. Anyway, uh, so I put her on Car Bomb, and then because of her comment, and I, 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 I had no idea. I just assumed, oh, like, because again, I just kind of have an innate uh, taste for music. Like, I, I like amazing music. It's just I don't know why. It's it's actually. I'm not bragging. It's just how it is. Well, see, here's the thing. People do have genius zones. Like yeah. mine, it actually lends towards design, like a certain aesthetic. Yeah. Well, obviously, I'm not everybody's aesthetic, just like you're not everybody's music taste. Right. But that happens to be your genius zone is that you are a tastemaker for a certain type of person. I am not that person. So therefore, <laughs> your music taste is fucking utter shit and terrible. And it makes my it's up, like, utter, ears you say it's, it's grating, hard to listen to. It's not shit, though. It's very hard to play. Bah, this bah, bah, blah, 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 blah. That's not what it sounds That's like. That's what your even. shit sounds like. Anyway, uh, this new new album is called uh, Mordial. Not primordial, just mordial, which I oh. don't even know if that's a word. Yeah, <laughs> but not primordial, which I also thought was a word. So I go, I, I just don't know Google. What the, is that a word of the week? I, may, I don't know. because I don't know the definition. Uh, uh, so I, I just Google. I'm like, I'm curious if music critics. Now, don't get me wrong. I hate critics. I really do. But sometimes you can get you can get some backup from some critics. So I just do a Google search. Car bomb, Morgel reviews, right? Click on the first. I just start going down the list. I don't recognize any of these websites. Now, be- mind you, I'm over at my desk just trying to do fucking research for this goddamn podcast. <laughs> I was doing and, research, but you made a Sean, shitty comment. I make a shitty comment just offhanded, and then I go back to being silent and working. You know I can't. You, and you Sean can't. This is how our relationship is. This is how it's been for almost 19 years, almost, you know, now 17 whole years of marriage. And Sean, meanwhile, I was like fucking make a shitty comment about my music i'm gonna look up reviews and prove your ass wrong again i could just tell i was like this is amazing i and i I understand when people don't like my music i get that my music is very abrasive and i totally understand when people are like i don't like pig destroyer i get it don't you know but and i wish people who listen to country could have the same courtesy when i say i don't like country they could understand like yeah it is fucking terrible but i like it you know what i mean like my music is terrible it is terrible in the sense that it is the most uh, they try to make the most abrasive sounds they can. Some of it barely qualifies as music. It is what appeals to me. And then you could almost say the same as country country. Basically, they're they're different because they're trying to make like fucking, I don't know, like jingles for commercials. They is really like the are. Level of, they really are trying to make like it's the so bad. It's so saccharine and awful. And like and this was what killed me. I was having a conversation with with my boy Steve about country. He's like, you don't like any country music and then I, exp- I i had to explain to him i'm like all right he's like not even a song here or there and i was like no i was like all right how many he doesn't you don't like way down yonder on the chattahoochee so i had that conversation with him and then actually i think i had this conversation with my, a couple co-workers because we got in an argument because they were because playing you country can't music. have anything other than an argument with you <laughs> <laughs> well no when it comes to country music and then pretending that people i i'll never understand it i can't make the connection anyway uh, they they were talking about it like you don't like this you don't like I was like no I, and I, so I said to him I, I, and the one guy's my boss I'm like you know I was like how many fists do you want in your asshole 
was like, how many fists do you want in your ass? He's like, I don't want any fists in my ass. He's laughing. Zero. And I'm like, that's how I feel about country music. I don't want any country music in my life. None. So some people might want one fist in their butthole, right? That's country music fans. They like one or two fists of music I, in their I, butthole. I, we know a guy who likes at least one fist in his butthole. Right. There Possibly are, more. We, we, there we do, are people we that know. like that. Yeah. But understand that it is not for everybody and that to most people it is unpleasant. That's what I'm saying about country music. I definitely don't like fists in my asshole. Right. And that's that's country music to me. Like that. I don't understand. Like there is no. Oh, no. Uh, this guy's OK. No, it's fucking awful. Have you actually it's it's it is. It's just. It's just it's like pure sugar in your mouth. Just take a tablespoon of sugar. It's that terrible. was one of my hobbies when I was younger. <laughs> All right. It well, was. That makes sense with your music taste then. <laughs> All right, but anyway, the new Car Bomb album. So all the reviews are eights, nines, and tens. And <laughs> we're just... sixteen minutes in, we're still telling the story. <laughs> and uh, welcome the, the, to our podcast, where the, this is how the, we tell stories. The websites that don't have, uh, that don't use a number scale, they all had these really glowing blurbs at the end. You know, the make classic in in the making or what you know, and all this stuff. And I was reading this to her because it was just for my own enjoyment. It. A review isn't going to change anybody's mind. I don't expect her to be like, you know what? This is pretty good. You're right. A stranger yeah. said so. <laughs> but I just wanted her to know that there are like minded people. And again, I literally clicked on every I didn't skip any of them. I just went to every single one, like the first like seven or eight reviews on the first page of the Google search. Because, again, I knew Googles. I was like, this is amazing. This is an amazing album. already. And it's the, I have to say this about it. And I was telling my, my buddy Brad, I was like, I haven't heard like a really good album this year. Like an album that I have played, even, that includes the new Tool album, the new Slipknot album, and then smaller other bands, uh, the new Exhorter album. They're they're solid or they're decent, but nothing has ever compelled me. But like this, I'm like immediately, it, it I was like, this is awesome. Like I love this. The the tuning of their guitars. They're I don't know if they're playing seven or eight string guitars, but they're tuned really low. They're playing in really odd tempos, which really appeals to me. And I like that sound of to. It, it can sound like chaos, but it takes a real talent to to play it different, you know, have your musicians playing at different tempos within the same song and not just have it be cacophonous noise, you know, and that's what they're yeah, doing. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> that's what appeals to me. And so this new Car Bomb album, Mordial, I am in love with it. It's almost fucking October. And it's like the first album that I've heard that has really just kicked me in the balls right out of the gate. No, and this that's, year, what, that's what I look for, for this music. entire year. That That is what I look for. I'm always like, is it going to kick me in the clit? Because if it's not going to kick me in the clit, I don't want to hear it. Kick them in the cunt. That's what I that's what I look for in my music. Um, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you've heard my music. You know, what's, you remember when I first when you first heard Dillinger Escape Plan, like when we first hooked up and I would that was that was like one of the I used to play that uh, Calculating Infinity album because that was their most recent one at the time. And you were like, this gives me heart palpitations. Yeah, please turn this off. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and then eventually they sold out and they stopped making. And I remember like when like I remember when Logan was a newborn. And you listen to Opeth like it was going out of style. <sighs> they, that's an, they, I wouldn't say they sold out, but man, they they dropped a lot of the the death metal vocals and just went pure prog rock. It was like I like the prog Logan death metal newborn, mix. Newborn, and it was I, that, well, it was, I was getting no sleep. Well, it was two albums. I and remember. You were like, "It's fine. This will be our lullaby for <laughs> it was, our." No, newborn. it was two albums. It was so Opeth, Blackwater we had Park. To put, we had to put. Listen, look, I got to tell you what two albums. Listen, I'm gonna forget. No. I don't care. I got to tell you. So then. Because you're missing an album that's room, very important. In his room, we had to put Sergeant Pepper's on. Pepper. Yeah, on. the Sergeant Pepper's Lo album. Lonely, from, whatever. Yeah. From the we Beatles. had to put that on. Right. Because you in our room wouldn't stop playing <laughs> this fucking noise. It was Opeth's Blackwater Park and Lamb of God's New American Gospel. And both bands were real. Well, Opeth had been around for a while, but they were both new to me. I had never heard of Lamb of God until like 2001 and, and somehow, i listened to that album for like a year straight until ashes of the wake finally came out i stayed with you through this <laughs> and married you through this both those albums are amazing though lamb of god's a new american gospel they've never topped that album it and got pregnant again through this blackwater park by opeth check those out so, not otep by the way otep is a horrible band opeth o-p-e-t-h if you're listening to otep that's incorrect <laughs> put it down put it Unsubscribe. back Unsubscribe. <laughs> like Unsubscribe, that. you are not our people. <laughs> Sorry, Brad. I know you like OTEP. 
Oh, <laughs> sorry, Brad. We actually like you. I berated him so much when he sent me his Spotify playlist from a few years back and there was Otep on it. And I just and there was all kinds of other stuff on there that he probably expected how, me to be shitty about. But it was just Otep. I was like, I don't care that you're listening to. If to we don't berate you, we're not actually friends with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? If like, we're not like in your face concerned about like, your, your taste. Then, if we don't uh, call you out on your bullshit, <laughs> we are not your friends. Right. Just so you know. Right. Like, that's how that's how we show affection. <laughs> I don't know if that's affectionate, but it, it's concern. It's definite concern, though. It is For your concern. well-being. That's what yes. it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, no, I think it's affection. And it's not affection for me. It's concern. There's no affection there because I, I sometimes I just want to grab people like like shake them, you know, so that's not affectionate. That's how you estimation. show affection. It's not how I show <laughs> Is that what I do? I think so. <laughs> I don't remember doing that to you, say, ever. You snapped my CDs in half. Yeah, that's that's concern. Again, not a sign of affection. That was. I don't know. We had sex shortly after. <laughs> Did we? That's affection. <laughs> I don't remember that. Anyway. You'll have to show me. Do you have any? <laughs> <laughs> do we have any uh, housekeeping? You have any housekeeping? Uh. Hit us up on all the socials, Couple Goals, Couple Goals Podcast, Couple Goals with S&M. Hit up our Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you can support our little show here if you're enjoying it. That's literally, if you do a dollar a month, all you get from us is undying gratitude. Yeah. Um, for $5, you get an extra episode a month, plus our back catalog of extra episodes, which we've been doing for over a year now. And then Crazy. you get $10, you get video content, which we are at like, Two or three months now. Four yeah, months. This will be our four. third month, I think, of video con- or fourth, fourth month. month. This yeah. will be our fourth month of video content. Plus, you get the back catalog of that. And that, I think, is everything. And shout outs to all our, our patrons. We love you, Stacey yes. and Matt, Steve and Chris and Christian. I, is that everybody? Uh, I think so. If it's not and we missed you, we are so sorry. We love you. Stacey, Matt, Steve, Chris, Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And then Matt and Chris, $10 patrons. Yeah. Everybody else, $5 patrons. Nobody's at a dollar, which is really cool. Yeah. But which is we, would love, because, we would love a dollar from you, no, well, no matter what. we used to put up outtakes at a dollar, but then we just stopped editing. Yeah, like, we don't have outtakes, really. <laughs> we stopped editing our outtakes out. Did you so, update the website to reflect that, or did you put that on there? No, I didn't do either of those things. Oh, okay. Um, I did neither yeah, of those. We don't, we don't really have outtakes anymore. Yeah, we didn't really... We don't really do outtakes anymore, so it's just like... You, for the most part, we'll pause it when things get crazy, but yeah. Um, yeah. So do you want to go first? You want me to go first? After you, milady. All right. So we have another fun one this week. Cool. Hang on. I want to, I want to check my phone and see if we got that email about the, I don't have to kill her. I'm not going to reveal anything, but, um, so this has to do with our Patreon video. Yeah. Yeah. So our Patreon video for any of you who are curious and the two people who may be listening who are doing that. We um, started last month doing the Hunt a Killer. Hunt a Killer. Thank you to um, class Patreon of, Matt. Patreon Matt. Who, went, who bought who it. Set us, set us up with that. He went through it and then passed it on to us to do. And it's um, the Class of 98 subscription. Yeah. And we solved it. So what and we did, the way we did it, we did one episode last month. Yeah. So just just a just an idea of what we did. So we went through the whole like we we just opened the box fresh in our in our Patreon video, went through it completely. We went through box one. No idea about it. Uh, yeah, we went Matt through told blind. us we did a horrible job. Matt, who had already um, completed it, told right. us we did an absolutely garbage job <laughs> and that he did not ever want to partner with us <laughs> on any kind of future boxes. Anyway, um. And then we didn't touch it until today. We did boxes. There's six boxes total. We did box five, uh, two through two through six today. We did two through six. We didn't even use a lot of the the material. Like we apparently, there's a whole website. Yes. Where you're supposed to go through, which we did do at the end, because uh, uh, because I wanted to find out if we were right. And so I finally, after doing the other five boxes, I was like, okay, let's. How do I do this? And I was like, oh, there's like websites, and then there was a lot of confusion, and then Matt, so Matt then, helped us out. And then we'll uh, we'll reveal the rest on the Patreon video. So yeah, and then tell you more about that process on the video because it's actually really funny and interesting. And yeah, wait until you hear about. <laughs> You'll not. You won't believe what happens next. Right. So anyway, my topic. 
Okay. So my topic's pretty, pretty interesting. So last week's topic, the, the fugit, like people who, the, the, smurf, the, the people. smurf people who are yeah. all fucking each other. Yeah. Were three apples high. Um, they, I found that on Reddit. Okay. So I was like, oh, I'll go back on Reddit and find another topic. Right. But instead I just found memes because yes, I did. went you into the all to me. me IRL subreddit instead yeah. and just looked at memes for hours <laughs> lots of memes on the reddits yeah i don't know what happened so i finally found a topic but it was i found it and it was just called albert einstein loved sex boxes sex boxes so is I that had, like a subscription service right so i had to like backtrack that and figure out where this started and it all started with something someone called wilhelm reich have you ever heard of him I have not. Okay, so that's who we're talking about today. Wilhelm Reich. So he was an Austrian doctor and psychoanalyst. He was a member of a second generation of analysts after Sigmund Freud. He was the author of several influential books, and he became known as one of the most radical figures in the history of psychiatry. He wrote extensively in his diary about his sexual precocity 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 proclivities no no oh, i don't know P let me see e no i don't want you to read the rest of it i just what's p-r-e-c-o-c-i-t-y Pro precocity sure never heard it he maintained that his first sexual experience was at the age of four when he tried to have sex with the family maid wow with whom he shared a bed Oh. And that he would regularly watch the farm animals have sex and that he used. Everybody watches animals have sex. That he used to use the whip handle sexually on the horses while masturbating. Jesus Christ. And that he had almost daily sexual intercourse from the age of 11 with other servants. So he had he had servants at the house. Wow. He wrote regularly of his. Visits. What year is this? Oh, he was born in the 1800, late 1800s. He died in the 1950s. Late 1800s. Um, so he wrote, so this was probably like 1901 or so. He wrote regularly of the visits to the brothels when he was first at age 15. And then he started visiting them daily at age 17. And he developed sexual fantasies about his mother Writing when he was 22 that he masturbated while thinking of her. And he did. Wow. So it is impossible to judge the truth of these diaries entries. But Reich's second daughter, the psychiatrist Laura Reich Rubin, told Christopher Turner in an interview that he that she believed that Reich had been a victim of child sexual abuse. And that explained his lifelong interest in sex and, and childhood sexuality. So, like, so that's a, he might, which make, kind of makes sense if he got yeah. abused and, but he confused it as sexual prowess because, yeah, <laughs> like the servants were, the servants were raping him. And right. he was like, nah, I'm, I'm a fucking beast. <laughs> so, anyway, so that's a little bit about his backstory. Yeah. The rest is going to be kind of what we know of him now. All right. So, Reich was taught at home until he was 12 when his mother discovered was discovered having an affair with his live-in tutor. Reich wrote about the affair in 1920 in his first published paper, Hooper Einen Fall von Dirchbirch der Inzeschranken, What? which is called... That, what did you just say? Uber Einen Fall von Dirchbirch. Oh, you're speaking another language. I'm like, yes. I don't know what you just said. I think you just had a stroke. I was getting ready to tell you what oh, I was saying. Oh, okay. It's about a case of breaching the incest tab taboo. Right. So it was presented in a third person as through about a patient. Okay. He wrote that he would follow his mother as she went to the tutor's bedroom at night, feeling ashamed and jealous and wondering if they would kill him if he found out what if they found out what he knew. Hmm. He briefly thought about forcing her to have sex with him on the pain of telling his father. But in the end... He did tell his father after protracted after protracted periods of beating protracted protracted periods of beating. His mother then committed suicide in 1910, for which Reich blamed himself. Jesus. Yeah. 
Four years later, his his father died of tuberculosis and soon after World War One forced him and his brother to flee the advancing rushing army, losing all of their money and possessions in the process because Reich was clearly rich. Yeah, they had servants. Yeah. So Reich fought in the war and then studied at the University of Vienna while the city was gripped by a brutal famine. And this is where he met and studied under Sigmund Freud. But then he had sex with Sigmund Freud. He knocked up one of his patients. Jesus Christ. Because, you know, his ethics were a little questionable. And that 19 year old girl died because of a. Do you think sexual addiction is a real thing? I think it's only a real thing if. Like in his case, he was. He was most likely sexually abused. I really like sex. Sometimes I think, like, am I a sex addict? Do you think I'm a sex addict? No. No? No. But I like, I, I like when I, remember I proposed to you that we have sex twice a day from now on. Yeah, well. And that seems excessive proposed, to you. I proposed to you that we have nothing but ice cream forever. That doesn't mean I'm an ice cream <laughs> addict. <laughs> okay. I'm just, like, I'm just curious. I'm just putting it out there. There's things that I like. That doesn't mean I'm addicted. Okay. So the also, 19 year old uh, girl died. Let, let us know if sex twice a day is too much. I think it's, it's, uh, I think it's a low number. I think, I that, think it's a reasonable number. I'll say that. I think, I think that, it's more than I think reasonable. That most men, morning and night, most men will be like, that's fine. Yeah. And most women will be like, mm. <laughs> but that seems why, a bit much. why, why is the norm for because men? Because I have to so many other things I would rather do. But none of them result in orgasm, though. Like, none, I don't think. Do any uh, any other activities result in orgasm for you? Have you ever, like, looked at a really good design you just made? It's pretty orgasmic. And you're like, oh. Yeah, it's me. I go cross-eyed. <laughs> Jesus fuck. <laughs> anyway, the 19-year-old got, girl died because of a failed abortion that he performed on her. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And then her mother killed herself out of the grief. God damn. Yeah. So any more sex jokes? Yeah. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> You're like, how many you want? Mm, <laughs> I got them. So Reich promoted openness with in sexuality, especially amongst teenagers. <laughs> and later. Coined, <laughs> later coined the, the phrase. <coughs> coffee, cough, cough, sexual revolution. Which he pushed for ease for easy access to con contraception abortion and divorce and i'm speculating here but it's probably because of that abortion yeah you know but again speculation so reich moved to the u.s in 1939 in part because he had written a book called the mass psychology of fascism which in which he blamed the rise of the nazis on sexual repression Hmm. and the nazis were not big on people dissenting so he ran away he (laughs) eventually yeah He eventually built a home and a research center in Maine, and it was called the Organon. Okay. Okay. That that name matters. Right. It's named after his most famous theory, the Orgone energy. It's essentially an invisible form of energy closely associated with sexuality, which in sufficient quantities can do anything from cure cancer to manipulate weather. Really? To Reich, Ergon was a fundamental building block of life. So he discovered so, the X-Men. So he starts making Ergon accumulators. These are boxes which are supposed to attract and concentrate Orgone, which would improve your health and energy levels if you spent time in them. So the shit was like a teensy insy bitsy closet. It's like our coat closet over there, right? Okay. And it had a chair in it. And it was nicknamed the sex box. Right. So Reich argued that deficient or constrictions that you placed on your orgone were the root of many diseases and deficiencies in libido. And this would produce neuroses and Freudian theory. 
So the fact that neither you nor anyone you know has ever been medically prescribed time in a sex box <laughs> should tell you how valid. Maybe he didn't have the cure is all, but he might have been onto something. But accumulators <laughs> have proved popular. So Sean Connery swore by his. Wait, Sean Connery had a sex box? He had a sex box. J.D. Salinger. So what do you, I don't understand. What do you box. go in and do? You go in into the chair and jerk off? Like, I don't get it. What's it for? Yes. So then Reich convinced Albert Einstein to experiment with his. And Albert Einstein was not impressed. But then William S. Burroughs built his own sex box and claimed that he achieved orgasm merely by walking in and sitting down. Wow. Hands-free orgasms. I like that. I have a picture of Kurt Cobain sitting in William S. Burroughs' sex box, peering through the windows. Nice. But I here in my description, I actually call it a cum closet. Cum I closet. Because I, I thought that was funny. <laughs> so Peter was born to Reich and his second wife in 1944. So Peter Reich. And he spent much of his childhood at Organon, Organon, helping his father with his research. And he published a memoir of his father's life and his own childhood in 1974. So a big fo focus of this book was cloud busters. This theory was that they drew these cloud busters, which looks like a giant cannon or like, what are those things that you jump on in video games? Like they have them in Halo turrets. Looks like a turret. The theory was that these draw, drew organ energy out of the atmosphere like a lightning rod. And in doing so, they allowed for weather manipulation. Oh. So the fact that, that we aren't at, like today, aren't actually summoning rain clouds with sex energy from the sky should tell you that these didn't actually work. But in 1953, locally, local blueberry the, the farmers. science seems sound. Local blueberry farmers offered Reich money if he could end a drought that was devastating their crops. Ah. So he operates his cloud buster for an hour <laughs> and it rains the next morning. Nice. And the blueberries were saved. <laughs> That's great. And they paid him. So in 1954, Reich would enlist his son's help in using cloudbusters to fight UFOs over Organon. Oh, good. Reich called the UFOs energy alphas and thought that his experiments had attracted aliens who were attracting Earth with deadly organ radiation. I like that crazy people just seem to have unlimited amounts of money. The organ, or I'm sorry, the cloudbusters would shoot them down by sucking the energy out of them. And at one point, Reich packed up two cloudbusters and drove with Peter to Arizona, where they rented a house and fought a, quote, full scale interplanetary battle. <laughs> Jesus. But here's the thing. So Wilhelm was like pretty paranoid, yep. you know, but people were actually out to get him. So Reich had a member had previously been a member of communist parties of Austria and Germany before abandoning communism in light of Stalin's anti-sex attitude. But when he came to America, the FBI kept an eye on him, like the second he showed up. So they accumulated a 789 page file on him <laughs> and detained him as soon as uh, actually it was three weeks after the attack on Pearl Harbor. So his troubles were compounded once the media learned about his sex boxes. <laughs> So they became increasingly critical of his sex boxes once it turned out they weren't carrying cancer, as he had implied but not promised they would. Yeah. Then the FDA turned their attention to him because, you know, same reason. Yeah. It issued an injunction to keep him from selling his argon accumulators, arguing that it was committing fraud by claiming that they had health benefits and that an investigation as to why government records presenting this glowing testimony from a university existed. So the university professor, his testimony said, quote, my wife sits in it for four hours a day and keeps her mouth shut. Damn. <laughs> yeah. So Wright defiantly kept selling his accumulators. And after an FDA official posing as a customer caught him, he was charged with contempt of court. FDA's officials showed up in Argonon and made Reich and Peter chop up their remaining accumulators. <laughs> you know, like, with a fucking axe. So, to be clear, they were fucking nonsense, right? Yeah, I, I figured that much. 
But the FDA spent $2 million in the 50s. Of course they did. Going after him. But this was only his side business. He was a psychoanalyst and a medical doctor. Wow. That was his real business. So this was the 50s equivalent of running an Etsy store. <laughs> it was. I'd like, I'm not kidding. So the ACLU, who we all know, they're consumer advocates and, and like uh, prominent writers of the time, they all posted the FDA's acts as overkill and to make an example out of him. Prevailing theory is that amidst the wave of sketchy products that were trying to take advantage of America's newfound fear of cancer, they saw Reich as an easy, high-profile target. He never actually made any money from his accumulators, nor did oh. he ever claim that they cured cancer. Yeah. Although he did dance around that implication. Again, they were nonsense, but they weren't any dozen any worse than the dozens of health fads that you know, your Facebook right. friends are trying to sell right now. Right. Like but supplements. They then sent him to prison for two years. Damn. So when a parole application was imminent, Reich wrote a letter to his then 13 year old son, Peter, making plans to have a meal with him. And two weeks later, Reich was found dead in his cell of a heart attack at 60 years old. Hmm. Most of Reich's theories have been rejected as rambling pseudoscience, but some of his works had a significant influence on modern psychoanalysis, and his attitudes towards sex played a huge part in the sexual revolution of the 60s. Time named him one of the 20th century's most 100 influential people, 100 most influential people, rather. And during student uprisings in France and Germany in the 60s, students threw copies of the mass psychology of fascism at police and scribbled, read Reich and act accordingly on walls. For the, this is a quote from his son. For the past 50 or so years, 99% of the time in the press, Dr. Reich has been made to look foolish or crazy, and the mockery is made of him. I'm always hopeful someone will get, him, get it right and not treat him as a joke. Rick's personal life was often unhappy, and he only had himself to blame for it. He would drink too much, his marriages were tumultuous, and he beat Peter's mother. Hmm. In another interview, Peter said, quote, he would get drunk and he had a terrible drinking problem and he beat my mother up. But it's funny that doesn't detract from him in my mind. He got drunk because he was lonely. OK, so, yeah, that's a uh, sex box. That's the sex box that Albert Einstein tried out and was like, yeah, I don't th I don't think so. <sighs> but Sean Connery was like, sign me up. I'm going to go sit in the sex box. Right. I have a picture of Kurt Cobain poking his head through the sex box. Interesting. You're just sitting there and you just. Uh, it's always interesting what. Um, yeah, it's like a little cum closet. People believe. And then even when you look back at what, you know, what you what I believe when I was younger, you know, like growing up at the satanic panic and thinking that like demons are real and all that kind of stuff. And how that when the, you don't have access to accurate information, you know, it seems believable, right? Can you imagine growing up at a house where it's like, that's the box that we all just go in to come? <laughs> no. Well, you kind of live in a house like that, but that's <laughs> not really a bathroom. Box. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's so just, it's, you, not, it's just, it's just evolved. It has plumbing now. Uh, so <laughs> you look so, <laughs> you look so disgusted right now. <laughs> I hate my life. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Oh. <laughs> All right. So recently, uh, there has been on, on the on the internet, there's been a lot of been a lot of talk about this upcoming Joker movie, right? So the movie premiered earlier this year at a festival, won the award for like best movie at the festival, and so a handful of people have seen the movie, right? The people at this festival have seen the movie. Pretty much nobody else has. They did the premiere the other night, so there was like a you know, a screening of it, but it doesn't actually come out until later this week. It's come out October 4th. And Twitter is all abuzz <clears throat> with opinions about this movie that they have not yet seen. <laughs> and I just, I find it fascinating. Now, part of me thinks, uh, this goes back to my theory about uh, how, how marketing companies may have diverted and like the new way to get attention on something is to create controversy. Which actually leads me into something we should have talked about at the beginning. Why is that? 
Do you think that Spider-Man leaving the MCU was so that he could rejoin the MCU right perfectly timed at the at the time when Far From Home was released? <laughs> I don't. I do. I don't. I don't think that. Uh, it's possible. I'm not going to say that that's impossible. That is very possible. But I don't think that was one of those cases because um, I don't I don't know that that I don't know if that really helped. I guess it gets awareness out there. But here's the thing, though. Captain Marvel made more money here than Spider-Man did this year. I know. And I think to try and get Spider-Man to make more money, even in video and be yeah. like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And just get people talking about it. They pulled yeah. that shit knowing that there See, was my fear is that it would put people off. Because they're like, well, who cares what happens if he's not in the spy in the Mar MCU? I don't need to That's see this. That's why movie. they announced him coming to the MCU or coming back into the MCU. What for the home video like release? The, yeah, like the days before. But it's been on. It's been on home video for like two weeks now. Just not. But not the disc. Not the disc. But most people buy digital now. Right? Well, actually, probably not. People, DVD is still the 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 best selling yeah, physical you media. Say so most people, but not. I always assume that fanboys buy digital, but yeah. fanboys buy both both versions i, I have know from that. living with I, you i don't always do, i don't do that anymore I've, I've made a conscious effort not to buy things twice uh no that that's definitely possible but i, I think more likely though is this outrage stuff that people are creating and then and then people latch onto it it only takes a few random tweets or whatever to get people going about just the stuff. outrage culture in general yeah and i just it's weird to me that this movie again that people have not even seen uh, they're they're assuming that there's going to be incel violence inspired by this movie. Uh, they're assuming a lot of things that this movie is dangerous is what they're saying. And this is coming from people who identify as liberal, which makes no sense to me because, you know, you think like liberal arts, things like that. They're trying to suppress art at this point. And that's weird. And although it's because liberal has swung the other way now, it has. They've become a, a religion. And they're concerned with everybody, how everybody's thinking. And if they're not thinking correctly, they're bad. Kind of reminds me of being a Nazi. But anyway. They've, yeah, they've <laughs> gone too far. See, here's what's happening. Like liberal for me, like when I was younger, was about rights for everybody. You know what I mean? It was equal all equal treatment, equal treatment. And just, you know, everybody, everybody's fair. And, and now it's. But what were you going to say? Everybody's polarized. So liberals have gone too far in one direction and conservatives have gone too far in one direction. But again, these are fringes though. I, again, most people aren't like this. It's no, most people aren't. Yeah. And people I know who identify as liberals yeah. are still what the internet would call moderates. Yeah. So it's just the people on Twitter giving the whole world a goddamn bad name in both in both sides. But anyway, I don't want to get too far into that. I mostly just want to focus on this Joker movie. And uh, plus, we I, save that for, for Patreon. Right. Uh, the fact that there's all this outrage about a movie that is not out yet. We have our tickets. Yeah, we'll be going Thursday night. Very excited. Uh, although when I was talking to Mark about this about liberal suppressing art he did bring up a, a very valid point which was you know tipper gore is the one who created the pmrc and tried to regulate music and he would bring that up yeah well yeah he was a musician, a musician. <laughs> exactly that makes sense and then but as we, we were both talking though too like he almost created you know when when he was a kid and he would see an album with a parental advisory sticker on it he had to have it it became it had the opposite effect almost because it became contraband. And it was like, oh, I need that two live crew album. I need that Beastie Boys album, whatever. Because, you know, as yeah. a kid, that's that it doesn't take much. Because, yeah, again, I used it, to have to explain to my parents why I wanted it. Yeah. Like I had to have a compelling argument. Yeah. As to why I why I wanted something that had a parental right. advisory. I mean, I still got it like every time. <laughs> right. But I had to like explain why. You know what I mean? So anyway, I just thought uh, this week, actually, what I want to talk about is the Joker, not the movie, because I haven't seen it. So I can't really espouse any opinions about it other than it looks really intriguing to me. Now, there's, here's the other controversy that's going around. This seems like more legit controversy. I'm excited to see it, just in case anyone's curious about my opinion. Yeah. Uh, the other controversy has to do more with with comic book fanboys. And there's a there's a big division there that I don't know if you're aware of, but 
Some people do not want a Joker origin movie. They feel that he should not have an origin. It should be this, you know, this nebulous thing or whatever. And then you have me. I don't really care either way. I'm the movie looks good. They want to give him this origin. Here's the thing. You can just ignore it. You know, he he's had origin stories, which we'll get into later in the comics. This I is not I the first saw attempt. That. Isn't Under the Red Hood an origin story? No, you're thinking of The Killing Joke. I'm thinking of The Killing Joke. Okay. Yes. But I saw... That's an origin. I that saw is a that. possible origin. It. Yes. Yes, you read it. I probably watched it. That's what I mean. It's like, it's just kind of weird. They're like, no, no, no. But there have been attempts. There have been stabs at his potential origin. And I, I don't understand quite why people would be upset at giving the, the Joker an origin. But anyway, but I thought we'd get into kind of just more of the creation of the Joker. Uh, first of all. So Joker's first appearance was in Batman number one back in April of 1940. Uh, Bill Finger, Bob Kane and Jerry Robinson are all credited with creating the Joker. However, their accounts of the character's conception differ uh, a little bit. So Bill Finger, Bill Finger, who only recently got credited with yeah. co-creating Batman. It was always said created by Bob Kane for years and years and years. And now it says Created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. And there's a cool documentary on Hulu about that. That's uh, the one I asked about a couple episodes back. And you're like, what are you talking about? We're talking about Spider-Man or like whatever the fuck. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Something different. But again, I, I've talked a lot of times about creators rights and especially in older comics. They just did not exist. Um, all right. So Robinson, Jerry Robinson claimed that Here's it was you. Mrs. Robinson. The, it was his 1940 card sketch. He drew a, uh, like a playing card, very very similar to, and probably I don't know if he just directly copied a playing card, but he drew a playing card sketch that served as the character's concept. That's his claim, and and then Finger associated it with. Uh, what? <laughs> I can't imagine having a last name Finger. <laughs> That's so gross. So he associated it with an actor named Conrad Veidt. Uh, who played a character named Gwynplaine in a movie called The Man Who Laughs. And I'm all right, going to show done. you a picture. We're done here with all this. Whoa! So that, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So that was inspiration for the Joker. We'll get pictures of that on Instagram for you at some point. So this guy, Conrad Veidt, played a character named Gwynplaine in The Man Who Laughs, which is a movie that came out in 1928. All right, so that guy was clearly the inspiration for the Joker. Yes, he was. he was definitely... Very clearly, like, like undoubtedly, undeniably that. So uh, uh, Finger produced an image of <laughs> Conrad Veidt. You think in, I'll ever get over that? In character as Gwynplaine, a man with a disfigured face, giving him a perpetual grin. And then Robinson produced a sketch of the Joker playing card. That's that's how uh, the Joker playing card. Not impressive. That other guy, that Gwynplaine. Plane. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly the Joker. All right. So then Bob Kane hired 17 year old Jerry Robinson as an assistant in 1939 after he saw Robinson in a white jacket decorated with his own illustrations. Uh, it's a good way to sell yourself. yourself. Right. <laughs> like Jesus. So uh, he began as a letterer and background anchor, but Robinson quickly became the primary artist for the newly created Batman comic book series. In a 1975 interview, Robinson said he wanted a supreme archvillain who could test Batman, not a typical crime lord or gangster designed to be easily disposed of. He wanted an exotic, enduring character as an ongoing source of conflict for Batman, similar to the relationship between Sherlock Holmes and Professor Professor Moriarty. Moriarty. So, uh, so Man, he then, I love Sherlock Holmes. Then he designed a sinister but clownish-looking villain. Um... Robinson was intrigued by villains. His studies at Columbia University taught him that some characters made up of contradictions, leading to the Joker's sense of humor. He said that the name came first, followed by an image of a playing card from a deck that he often had at hand. He says, I wanted some somebody visually exciting. I wanted somebody that would make an indelible impression that would be bizarre, would be memorable, like the Hunchback of Notre Dame or any other villains that had unique physical characteristics. I think, I think he achieved that if, if yeah. he is indeed one of the actual creators. He told Bill Finger about his concept by telephone, later providing the sketches of the character and images of what would become his iconic Joker playing card design. 
Bill Finger thought the concept was incomplete, providing the image with a vite with a ghastly permanent grin. Bob Kane countered that Robinson's sketch was produced only after Bill Finger had already shown the Gwynplaine image to Kane. Now, uh, Bob Kane is was notorious for taking credit for things. For instance, so he didn't he want Bill like, Finger to have any credit for Batman. But he was like uh, Stan Lee. I'm not good. I like Stan Lee. <laughs> I'm not going to despair to Stan Lee. I love Stan Lee. Created Spider-Man. Uh, but did he, I, he was... Did he? I think Bob Kane... Well, yeah, Stanley and Steve Ditko did. I don't think. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, Bob Kane was like real bad, like up and almost until like it wasn't until he almost died that he re he was like regretful about the fact that he never gave Bill Finger any credit for creating Batman. He was probably regretful because he was all like, "Uh oh, <laughs> good place, bad place." I saw that show on ABC or whatever. So he he'd already, sh according to Bob Kane, he'd already. Uh, Bill Finger had already shown the image of Gwynplaine and that it was only used as a card design belonging to the Joker in his early appearances. Bill Finger said that he was also inspired by an image in Steeplechase Park at Coney Island that resembled a Joker's head, which he sketched and later shared with future editorial director Carmine Infantino. Uh, in a 1994 interview with Frank Lovis, uh, Kane stated his position, quote, Bill Finger and I created the Joker. Bill was the writer. Jerry Robinson came to me with a playing card of the Joker. That's the way I sum it up. The Joker looks like Conrad Veidt, you know, the actor and the man who laughs. Bill Finger had had to, had a book with a photograph of Conrad Veidt and showed it to me and, and said, here's the Joker. Jerry Robinson had absolutely nothing to do with it. He'll always say he created it till he dies. He brought in a playing card, which we used for a couple issues for him to use as his playing card. Robinson credited himself, Finger, and Kane for the Joker's creation. He said he created the character as Batman's larger-than-life nemesis when extra stories were quickly needed for Batman number <laughs> one, and he received credit for the story in a college course. Uh, in that first meeting, this is uh, Robinson, in that first meeting when I showed them that sketch of the Joker, Bill said it reminded him of Conrad Veidt and the Man Who Laughs. That was the first mention of it. He can be credited in Bob himself. We all played a role in it. Concept was mine. Bill finished that first script from my outline of the persona, and what should happen in the first story. He wrote the script of that, so he really was co-creator, and Bob and I did the visual, so Bob was also. And then Bill Finger provided his own account in 1966. He said, I got a call from Bob Kane. He had a new villain. When I arrived, he was holding a playing card. Apparently, Jerry Robinson or Bob, I don't recall who, looked at the card, and they had an idea for a character, the Joker. Bob made a rough sketch of it. At first, it didn't look much like the Joker. It looked more like a clown. I remembered that Grosset and Dunlap formerly issued very cheap editions of classics by Alexander Dumas and Victor Hugo. The volume I had was The Man Who Laughs. His face had been permanently operated on so he would always have a perpetual grin, and it looked absolutely weird. I cut the picture out of the book and gave it to Bob, who drew the profile and gave it a more sinister aspect. Then he worked on the face, made him a little clown-like, which accounted for his white face, red lips, and green hair. That was the Joker. So although Kane adamantly refused to share credit for many of his characters, and refuted Robinson's claim until Kane's death, Many comic historians credit Robinson with the Joker's creation and Finger with the character's development. Uh, by 2011, Finger, Kane, and Robinson had all died, leaving this story unresolved. But, uh, so, Robinson wants to give credit to all three of them. Bill Finger is more like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and Bob Kane's like, mine! <laughs> I did it, and Bill helped a little. <laughs> like, Mine! don't really like Bob Kane, it turns out. Like, it anyway, so that's that's just kind of about the origin of, of his actual creation. Now I thought I'd share some of the potential origins for the Joker from the comics. All right, so in a story from 1996 by Paul Dini and Alex Ross, uh, the Joker was a crazed gangster bored with power. He creates the Red Hood persona to commit petty crimes. Uh, what made this origin unique from other origins is this version of the Joker is a sane man who only feigns insanity to avoid the death penalty. So that's one. Uh, then we have a story from 2006, a story just uh, about a character named Jack, who's introduced as a career criminal, and he was called Jack Napier in Batman, the movie in 1989. Mm -hmm. Uh so Jack I saw that movie. <laughs> was a career criminal who, after growing bored with his life of crime, becomes obsessed with Batman, sets off on a spree of bank robberies to gain his attention. One of the most interesting parts of this origin is that Batman himself disfigures Jack, slicing his face with a batarang. No, no. He falls the into Joker, acid. 
giving the Joker his iconic grin. No, no, I saw it. I right. saw the movie twice <laughs> in theaters. In a 2010 comic book, uh, Brave and the Bold number 31, a character called the Atom, who's kind of like Ant-Man, he can shrink. Mm-hmm. He goes into the Joker's mind and witnesses a memory of the villain burning his own parents alive after getting caught killing animals. Uh, yeah. So this is a kind of a dark and intimate moment that gives a rare look at the formative years of Gotham's uh, crazy, crazy ass criminal, the Joker. It's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> uh, another one. This was from Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. This is pretty interesting. Uh so this was their idea was that the Joker is an or, immortal being back in 2015. Joker uh, is depicted as ancient. He found Lazarus pits before uh, Ra's al Ghul did, and he's been keeping himself alive uh, ever since. Basically, they also stated that there are three Jokers, but they didn't reveal them at the time. All right, that's lame. And then I would say the most famous one, which you mentioned, the killing joke. This is probably the one most people know. This is by Alan Moore and Brian Ballin. Uh, so they expanded on uh, Bill Finger's original Joker story, which had which was the Red Hood. So that was way back in the 40s. Um, uh, so they added on like a, a very empathetic backstory. He's a failed stand up comedian. Mm-hmm. He, he gets forced into donning this Red Hood to help his pregnant wife, but then she dies and all that's very sad. And I think this new movie is going to take a lot of stuff from that. From what I've seen in the trailer, I don't think there's going to be any actual Red Hood stuff, but it does look like he's some kind of failed comedian. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I noticed, and this is from Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, is he's on a talk show. And in the Dark Knight Returns, that talk show doesn't go well for the audience. I don't know if they're going to adapt that. <laughs> I like your face. I like your concern. Uh, so those are just some elements that I, I think they're drawing from. But the movie, to me, it just looks really cool. It looks dirty and grimy and it, it looks dark. Joaquin Phoenix is going to do. He looks like he's going to do a great job. He's a, he's a really good actor. Jared Leto. Like if people can tolerate Jared Leto's horrible Joker, I don't understand how they can hate on the concept of this movie. After seeing him in Suicide Squad. Dude, I'm really excited for this movie. I think it looks good. I Yeah, I agree. I, I think most your average person does. But like when you get down to the comic book fanboys, there's dissension there where oh, Joker shouldn't have an origin. Joker's had tons of origins. None of them are definitive. None of them have ever been acknowledged by DC as being canon Joker origin the same way that Bruce Wayne's Batman origin. Everybody knows exactly what that is. What? Because, You're saying that? He had a ticket for new parents, but it's expired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had a ticket for new parents, but it's expired. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a stupid thing to squabble over. But it, uh, the fact that there's all this co- controversy now, I feel like once the movie actually comes out, there's going to be a little bit of discussion about it. But the way society and culture is right now, like once a movie's out, you have about two days to see it and then it's on to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody it's, fucking cares. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's kind of sad because like back in the day, like a movie would play all summer and you didn't expect everybody to go opening weekend. You know, if people saw it throughout well, the summer. Well, which McCall had played for a long time. Uh, what's that one where that guy died that I, yeah, I still won't let you watch? Avengers Endgame. Endgame. It played for its designated time and then they did a brief re-release. It was not movies used to run for like a year. Oh. Back in the 80s, sometimes they would yeah, run. Now and they really come out on video very like fast. Three months later, they're they're on video. And it used Remember to be about six months. It used to months. be like you have to wait till Christmas for things to come out on video. Right. Now November like, was a very common release time. For, now it's for like movies. shit comes out in theaters in October and it's already out by Christmas. That's what happened with Venom last year. It came out the first Venom, week of October. Venom, before Venom, Christmas, Venom. they had it on Blu-ray. That's the fastest turnaround I've ever seen. But about a week before Christmas, it, it was, was handy. Available. It was crazy. So, yeah. Um, the other thing I forgot to mention at the beginning, because we had to tell your music taste story. Car bomb, more jewel. Check it out if you is, like abrasive music. Is that if you're in Cleveland? I'll mention this again. But if you're in Cleveland and you're listening to this on the release day, which is September 30th, 2019, it is the last day 
to get tickets to Women's Entrepreneur Day at the early bird pricing. Mm. So go to WED, W-E-E-E, no, I don't know how to spell, W-E-D Cleveland, WEDCleveland.org and get it at your, or just search on Eventbrite and get it at the discount pricing. That's early bird pricing. Effective October 1st, it goes up to full price, which is $150 a ticket for Women's Entrepreneurship Day. I am facilitating a workshop on marketing your purpose-driven business. That's right. I'm a speaker at Women's Entrepreneur Day. Yeah. Entrepreneurship Day, Cleveland. Crushing it. Yeah. That's my girl. And it's part of World Entrepreneurship Week, Northeast Ohio. So, yeah. Um, right. But if you're listening to this on the release day of the podcast, it is the last day for early bird pricing. So that's a, that's kind of a, a deadline thing. But the re- it's still available. The Entrepreneurship Day is actually, Women's Entrepreneurship Day is actually November 19th, 2019. So. Is that when you're speaking? That's when I'm speaking. Cool. And I am a workshop. So we the way that the day is structured, it's from 830 to 430. It's an all-day event. We provide breakfast and lunch. Um, I believe, I don't know. I think Bon Appetit magazine has the catered lunch. I don't remember what's doing, what we're doing for breakfast, but it's a huge event. I'm the creative director for Prosper for Purpose, which is a Cleveland PR company, Cleveland-based PR company, but it is a B Corp that does, they help businesses that do good, do well, and I'm, they do this, um, they're one of the partners that put this on and they do it pro bono. So I'll be designing some of the notebooks and other things for this event. And then I'm also presenting at this event. So if you are a woman business owner in Cleveland or anywhere in Northeast Ohio, I would love to see you. All right. Yeah. So that's everything I think. All right, yeah. So, uh, look into that. That's that's something you're into. Yeah, if you're into, I'm, I meant to do it during housekeeping and I forgot. <laughs> and happy anniversary, baby! Happy anniversary! All right, thanks for listening as always, and have a have a lovely week or day, or whenever you're listening. Yeah, have a good one. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>